welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Good morning, guys. Hey, we're in our third series, third uh, message today, uh, this series that we started, Philippians for You, Philippians for You. And, uh, and you know, last week we took a break. We had a great guest speaker, John Bevere. You guys, guys enjoy that? Enjoy John Bevere. Powerful message. If you weren't here, uh, go back and listen to it. It was awesome. Uh, but Philippians, I, I love that we're doing this series, by the way. I love that I've learned one thing about the church in Philippi is they're a lot like River Valley Church. I shared this a few weeks ago that from the onset, from when uh, uh, Paul planted Philippians, that they were on mission. They were a church on mission to see the gospel of Jesus Christ grow, go across the world. And uh, that's just like River Valley Church. If you don't know that about River Valley since the day Pastor Rob and Becca planted River Valley Church. They've had a passion for missions, a passion for evangelism, a passion to see God, Jesus' name be lifted up across the earth. But so today, uh, today we've been going through different verses in Philippians 4, and today I'm going to highlight Philippians 4, 8, 9. So if you have your Bibles with you or your, your phone app, you can open it up to Philippians 4. Uh, and uh, if you, but, but before I get into Philippians 4, I just want to read another verse that contains some words that Jesus spoke uh, while he was here with the, with the disciples on this earth. And uh, this text, just so you know, this text is going to drive the rest of my message, okay? So it's from Matthew 5, the very last verse in Matthew 5. And Matthew 5 is, is one of those amazing chapters in the Bible where Jesus is just going off and he's teaching the people and it's amazing. And then we get to the end of this chapter and he just kind of drops a bomb like Jesus would do every once in a while. And it says this in Matthew 5, 548, he says, be perfect just as your heaven, or a father in heaven is perfect. So be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And how many of you know, like Jesus is a very grace-filled man, but every once in a while he, he says something like this that just seems impossible. And I was just thinking about this. It's like, what? Like, how? Like, like, how do you expect me, Jesus, to live a perfect life? And, uh, and, and, and C.S. Lewis said this in a great book. It's, it's Mere Christianity. I got it up here. Uh, this is, a, this is a, you're going to hear me quote this, but uh, I actually quote it a lot in, in Alpha too. So a little plug for Alpha. If you haven't signed up yet, why not? Get signed up for Alpha. This week is the first week. But this is a great book, Mere Christianity. If you haven't read it, I promise you, you'll be blessed. But there's an awesome quote in there and a part where, where he talks about, he said something in so many words. He said, look, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, perfection is where God's taking you. So if you're going to get in this process of following me, perfection is where I'm taking you. Oswald Chambers, uh, he has an amazing devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. He says this, the true expression of a Christian character is not in doing good or good doing, but in God-likeness. If the Spirit of God has transformed you within, you will exhibit divine characteristics in your life, not just good human characteristics. God's life in us expresses itself as God's life, not human life trying to be godly. I don't know if you caught it in there, but it's, it's not like we're trying to be better, okay? We're just trying to let God's life flow and, and live through us. And, and that just so you know, when you step into this relationship again with Jesus, that's exactly his plan for you. 
And if you've never done that, if you, have, if you haven't had that opportunity, I want you to know this right at the onset of this message. Your Heavenly Father, God, Heavenly Father, He created each and every one of us. He loves us. And, and He loves us so much that He sent His one and only Son to die for us on the cross so that, that He could forgive us and have that relationship that was broken because of sin restored. And if you've never done that before, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this message to do that. And, uh, and just know God loves you. And you might be like, well, but still, how can I be perfect? Isn't Jesus the only one that was perfect? And there's just something I need you to remember. Uh, Paul stated this in Philippians chapter 2, actually two chapters earlier than the verse from today. In verse 5, chapter 2, he said this. If your relationship, uh, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing make, uh, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, verse 7, that last verse there, some versions say it this way, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So in other words, what Jesus did when God sent him to this earth, he literally, it says he emptied himself of all the God stuff, all of, all of who he was as God, just to be a man like you and me. But then he had to tap into the grace of God by the Holy Spirit, just like you and I would. So he lived the life, the exact life that you and I are called to live. Now, for the rest of this message, we're going to focus on a key part of that text in verse 5, where it says, have the same mindset as Christ. Now, how can I be perfect? I, I know we're asking that question. I believe, and so does Paul, that we have to leverage a disciplined focus on our mind and have this mindset of Christ. Three weeks ago, I preached in, from Philippians 1, verses 3 through 6, and in that message, there was a part of that where I said, you know, we tend to have this problem of thinking without ceasing. We like think nonstop. But, but God has called us to pray without ceasing instead. Instead of thinking without ceasing, pray without ceasing. Paul talked about that in 1 Thessalonians 5. And then two weeks ago, Pastor Rob, uh, his message was focused on Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And I just want to reread it here because it, it, it flows into what we're going to talk about today. In Philippians 4, verse 6, he said, don't worry about anything. Or some versions say, be anxious about nothing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can ever understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So, so this week, we're going we're gonna to focus on Philippians 4. So the next two verses, and, and, and 8 and 9, in verses 8 and 9, I believe that's, God, uh, that's Paul's solution, even God's solution for worry and anxiety. If I'm not the only one, does anybody else deal with worry and anxiety in here? It's okay. You can be honest right now. I mean, that, that's something that, that's going to keep us, though. Worry and anxiety is going to keep us from the perfection that God has for us and for the life. So today, we're going to be focusing again on our mind, on our thought life. And, and uh, like what, when you think about it, what dominates your thoughts right now? Like what's dominating your thought life? What, what do you think about? And, and are you thinking positively or do you find yourself thinking negatively? I mean, be honest, some of us all day long, we think and we think and we think. Some of us think too much. And, and some people at your jobs, like you literally need to take a vacation and just stop thinking for a while. 
In uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. And so it's really important that the way we think actually could be our problem or solution to life. To be honest, Romans 8, okay, uh, that was just in soap yesterday. In Romans 8, Paul talks about this in verse 5. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting the sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Isn't that awesome? Letting the Holy Spirit. we got to give the Holy Spirit permission to own this area. And it's a good thing when we do, just to be honest. John Milton, he wrote this. He said, a mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. So again, Jesus is calling us to this amazing perfection for our lives. Paul is exhorting us to not worry or not be anxious. And here's the hidden solution, okay? Here's the solution to our problem with worry and anxiety. And I'm going to finally read here in Philippians 4, 8 through 9. You can read it with me. It'll be up on the screen. And Paul says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. There, he said it again. The God of peace will be with you. How many want the God of peace with you every day? Come on. You can, you can everybody raise your hand. That's a good thing. Now, Paul, uh, it'd be easy to think. Now, Paul, Paul, you're just trying to get us to be positive thinkers. I mean, isn't that what you're doing here? Like, like just think positive and all your problems go away, right? Uh, but uh, that kind of reminds me, there's a joke of a, a boy. He came home from school and uh, he goes, Dad, uh, I'm pretty sure that I failed my math test today. Like, boldly telling his dad. His dad's like, son, come on, think positive. And he goes, okay, dad, I'm positive I failed my fat math test today. <laughs> Good, I got a few laughs. I, uh, praise God. I thought it was funny. Uh, the Apostle Paul was way more than a man driven by positive thoughts. Come on, like, like he was a driven man. He chose to think in the right direction and his actions followed that same pattern. Come on, church. Philippians 3, 12, he said this. And this is, I love this verse. This is a verse that I live by. He said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And I don't know if you ever pictured this, but the Apostle Paul wasn't like a normal, like, I, I don't think he was like some upright kind of normal guy. I think that guy was a freak. I think he walked with a lean in his step. And you know, if, if you know anything about Paul, Paul is actually his Greek name. Uh, he's, his original Hebrew name was Saul. And when he was Saul, I'm telling you, he walked with a lean in his step. He was driven. He was mad. He was a Pharisee. And he did not like these people that followed Jesus. He did not like Christians and he was going to do whatever it took to take them out or put them in jail or shut them up. He did not want, not want any more Christians on the face of this earth. 
And then all of a sudden, Jesus, boom, like put him on his knees with a bright light. And he tells his story over and over in Acts. And God got a hold of him. And now all of a sudden, the apostle Paul, he's walking in a totally different direction. But if you pay attention... He literally is still walking with a lean. In that text, that word, that Greek word for press on is actually, it's interesting. It's the same word that they would use for a runner in a race. When they get to the last uh, the little section of the race, every runner, they stretch out their chest. Why? Because they want to break the tape first. They want to they cross that line first. And that's how the Paul, Apostle Paul walked. He's not, instead of walking this way, taking out Christians, he's walking this way and he's finding lost souls to tell them about the hope of Jesus. That's how we have to live, church. Can I get an amen for that? What God is calling us to in this process of perfection is to quit thinking this way. Some of us are in this mental rut of destructive thoughts, and God is calling us to think in a totally different way, just like Paul did. And I think, you know, I really believe Paul was so successful because he had this amazing, unending passion for people. And I think he got that from Jesus. But Paul, I believe, made a daily choice not to think uh, worry or, or destructive thoughts, but instead he prayed and he focused his thoughts on what was true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He thought about things that were excellent and worthy of praise. And, and just know that Paul, he, he was a disciplined thinker and out of disciplined thinking comes a disciplined life. Alistair Begg, he said this, he said, it is in our minds that affections are stirred. It is by our minds that our wills are directed. We all must determine which way we're gonna think and if we're going to think straight, we need to know what's true too. Have you ever been talking to someone and you can just tell like there's some kind of filter that like everything you say gets distorted through this filter and, and they're not even hearing what you're saying. And this is why it's so important to get set free. This is why it's so important to let the Holy Spirit of God free you because you need to know the truth and the truth's going to set you free. The psalmist David wrote this in Psalm 119, 42. He said, your justice, God, is eternal and your instructions are perfectly true. I just want you to know God's word is trustworthy and his word is true. Everything written in here is for our benefit. It's not to control our lives. It's to bless us. And by it, by this word, we can live and, and move and breathe in this world where it seems like truth, it's, it's like changing almost by the minute. You need to know what's true, church. And his word, just so you know, God's word is eternal. It's not temporary. And, and, and it, even though like, like it's all true, we may not still understand it all. I can't help but think uh, one of the things that I was blessed to get to do for a little while when I was uh, here at River Valley was, was to drive guest speakers from their hotel to the church. I would host them. I'd even host them for the weekend. And the first person I ever got to host was John Bevere, our guest speaker from last week. And I remember a moment, like I was so excited because I had read some of John's books and I really appreciated the way he taught and everything and resonated with it. And I went and picked him up at the hotel. And I'm telling you, John, if, you don't, if you've never been around him, like the dude, like anybody he runs into, he is like just speaking life over them. He is blessing them. He's complimenting them. I've, I kind of believe like if you're around a guy like John Bevere and you still have a bad day, that's a bad day. Like, like you need prayer. Like, uh, and 
And he's just an awesome guy and it just flows out of him. And we were driving to church that, that first morning. I said, John, I said, the thing I love about reading your books and the way you teach is you have this way of going after those verses in the Bible that are hard. Like the ones that I kind of want to like ignore or kind of just like, you know, set it aside because it's, it, I don't, I'm not ready to do that yet in my life. But you go head on with those verses and you challenge us to live that way. I love that about you. And he goes, Topper, he goes, when I started reading my Bible, he goes, I didn't know it all. I mean, like I just started reading my Bible, but he goes, this is what I did do. I, believe, I believed it was all true. I believe every word was true and I didn't understand everything. And when I came to a verse that I didn't understand, I just stop and he'd pray and I go, God, I don't understand this, but I believe it's true. Will you help me understand it? And out of that prayer, God would bring understanding. And then out of that understanding, John, Pastor John has been able to, to, to teach people and encourage people and bless people. Look at what Jesus wrote in Mark 4, 24. He said this, he said, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. But to those who listen to my teaching, uh, those to those who will listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Not only is God, God's word true and trustworthy, know this, our God is worthy of all honor and praise. Amen? Amen. And, and, and it, we always win when we honor God, when we honor God with our thoughts, when our worship, with our decisions. Our God is a righteous and just, and God's righteousness has two parts to it. He says he always, he always does what is just and right. Not, God is always good. And you know, we should live that way too, right? And uh, the second thing is God is faithful to his promises. This is why it's so important, parents, that, that we keep our promises, even if they seem like, like a good or bad promise, like you're going to give them ice cream or you're going to spank them. Like you got to do both. You got to keep your promises, parents. That's what our God does for us. And the more time we spend with God and his word and his truth, the more we think and we act like him. And this is where Paul is going. He's calling us to think in the right direction, church. Ultimately, our disciplined thought life will listen to, will, will turn into disciplined actions, the right actions, the right way of living. First Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. Do you believe that? Do you, do you read scriptures like that though sometimes and go, I don't know if that's true because I don't feel like I'm there. But, but it's so important for us to believe that it's true. And I don't want another day of worry for you to go by. I want you to take charge of your thoughts today and not let worry and anxiety own you. Instead of that, I want you to fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. I want you to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Some of you need to believe this for yourself. Some of us aren't speaking good words over ourselves and you need to start doing that. You need to find verses that God gives you that speaks life over you so that you can speak life over someone else. How many of you know like this area of your body, your mind can sometimes be a battlefield? Like you can just know there's a war waged up here and you got to win. I'm just telling you, church, we got to win that battle. And Paul in 2 Corinthians 10, he gives us some wisdom for this. And I want you to grab hold of this because there's a, there's a two-step process that we're doing here to get our minds going in the right direction. And this is step one. When you have those worried-filled thoughts, Paul says this. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons 
things of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So when, when worry or doubts or those, those images or thoughts come into your mind, this is what you do. You literally use this verse five and you say, I take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. Say it out loud, mean it, make a declaration. I take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. If you're in the elevator at work and you have to do it, make it short and go, no. <laughs> like just go, no, I'm not thinking that way. I'm not believing that. And then here's what you gotta do. You gotta replace it with the truth. You gotta replace it with God's word. This is where the grace kicks in. This is where God's grace starts kicking in and you replace it with truth. You replace it with whatever's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Start thinking about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Oswald Chamber in the same devotional, he goes on to say this. This is where it comes home, church. The secret of a Christian's life is that the supernatural becomes natural in him as a result of the grace of God. And the experience of this becomes evident in the practical, everyday details of life, not in the times of intimate fellowship with God. And when we come in contact with things that create confusion and a flurry of activity, we find our amazement that we have the power to stay wonderfully poised even in the center of it all. Do you see what God's doing here, church? Do you see what God wants to do in you? He wants to create this new, like, spiritual muscle memory in you. And that muscle memory is called perfection. He's doing a work in you and me. Why? Because I believe God loves people. And God loves you. And he loves me. And when, when we start to see this change in our lives, our thought life will ultimately affect the way we live and the things we do and the things we say. And what we say and do ultimately affects people. And God knows that. That's why Paul could go on to say this to his church. He said this in verse nine. He said, keep putting into practice all that you learn and receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And some might read that and think, man, Paul really thought a lot of himself. That's right, he did. And it's okay, it wasn't pride, he knew because he had done the hard work of thinking the right direction so that those who followed him were going the same direction. Do you know that people are following you? My question to you is, do you know where you're going? We need to go where we're, know where we're going, church. First Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said it this way, he said, imitate me just as I almost imi also imitate Christ. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Paul knew the ultimate solution to worry and anxiety was this way of thinking, thinking life-giving thoughts. Uh, when we do this, again, we are creating this new culture inside of our being that brings hope, not desperation. Uh, think of the, the, the daily discipline will pay off in the end. And, and this is, I just want to kind of explain it in a, in a story. This actually surprised me. I was hanging out with another pastor one day and, uh, and, and he was, he, he doesn't serve around here. He's down South now, but, but we were up here and we were at the, the outlet mall and we ran into some people that I knew. And, and so we're talking to them and stuff and they would walk away. And, and I just like, I don't know, I just said a few awesome things about that person because there are awesome things about people. And, and then it happened again and the same thing happened again. And he just stopped and he looked at me and he goes, Topper, you know what I love about everybody that I've ran into from River Valley Church? He goes, they always speak so highly of people. Like they always have good things to say about people. And I just like, I mean, I just stood there and looked at them and I didn't realize it, but like, that's not always common. And that breaks my heart. 
Church, we need to have a norm, and that norm is speaking life and speaking good things about people. My question to you is, how is your thought life? What are your words like? I've heard that words are spirit, and we either speak life and, or death. We speak blessings or cursing. How are you speaking? What are you doing with your words? Because I promise you, when you get your words out, you can't take them back. How many of you, like you sent a text and you, should, you sent it to the wrong person? You can't take it back. Like it's gone. That's what, how it is with our words, church. Do you find yourself gossiping about people? Is that how kind of you find life gossiping? You ever known someone like that? Like it's just kind of sadly become the norm for them. They, that's how they connect with people. Or do you find yourself like slandering other people and you don't even notice? You need to ask someone how your speaking is. Do you speak life? Do you speak whatever is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable? Do you think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise? I want to bring it home with this. I read a book recently called Atomic Habits. And in this book, he talks about things that happen to us that, that we, we, we don't even notice. They're like triggers. And it triggers us to do something and we, we, we do it. And then over time, it creates a habit. And he believes like habits aren't built over a certain amount of days. It's actually built by the, the number of reps that you put in. So picture this, like, like a thought or an image or a memory comes into your mind and what you go to right after that trigger is, is what you start doing to build that habit. And how many of you have had where, you, where there's something you wish you could stop thinking about? It just keeps coming back to the front of your mind. And sadly, what you're doing, if you keep going the wrong way with the wrong thoughts with that, you're going to build this stronghold, this, this place in your mind that it's really hard. You're going to create a, a neural pathway where that thought's going going to be automatic and you're going to create a habit and that habit will over time create worry and that worry over time will create anxiety in you and the anxiety won't will keep you from sleeping at night and that's going to create bad health and then it's going to affect everything you do in life but we could take the goal out of this message is to take that same trigger to have this discipline in our life where the same thing, the same thought, the same action happens to us, but because we've been disciplined to think about whatever is true, whatever is worthy, whatever is honorable, all that stuff, instead we're gonna think that way. And now all of a sudden the grace of God is in us. The God, the word, God's word is now living through us and we create this good, healthy habit. And then all of a sudden naturally out of us comes life. And, and everybody we run into, we have life. How many of you know Jesus said, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you'd have life. God, God, God's plan for us is to be so full of his Holy Spirit, we literally, literally just get life over everybody that comes near us. C.S. Lewis, he wrote another book called Screw Tape Letters, and one of the chapters, right about in the middle of the book, the enemy in the book is writing letters to his, his junior demon and trying to coach him on how to mess with the client, which would be you or me. And he was using time. And how many of you know God wants us to live right now in the present? God wants you to be present, church. He wants you to be present when you're talking to someone that you care about. He wants you to be present when you're worshiping God here in church. He wants you to be present right now so you don't miss what I'm trying to get through to you. But the enemy's goal is that we use this beautiful, beautiful imagination that God gave all of us. And he wants to hijack a gift from God to dream about all of the unending possibilities of destructive thoughts and things that might happen tomorrow. 
But they're not true. They haven't happened yet. But you're thinking about death. You're thinking about failure because these thoughts are owning you. What if we just did something totally different and used this beautiful imagination, which was a gift from God, and used it to dream for our future? Used it to think about, maybe there's someone in my life that needs hope today. Maybe there's something I could do to change the way I live, the way I speak, the way I think. Maybe you could use this imagination to fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Church, I'm going to close this message and I'm going to pray so you can close your eyes and bow your head. As before I pray, I want to ask, how many of you right now, like, like you're just, be, be transparent, be honest, be bold. How many of you are dealing with some serious worry and anxiety right now? You want to be done with it. Come on, Maggie, way to go, girl. Way to, way to, be, way to be bold. Yeah, it's okay. Like your pastor up here on stage, I deal with things that I, I have to be disciplined in my thought life because I want my actions to be life-giving. So today as we pray, okay, I'm going to pray. And whatever that thing is that's owning your mind right now, you're going to let it go. You're going to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So dear Lord, thank you so much for this message today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your word. And God, today we choose to take these thoughts captive that are owning our mind and we make them obedient to Christ. It's a declaration. And God, instead, we're going to fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. We're going to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why? Because there's people following us. There's people that we're going to affect in our lives that you want to bring life and hope and and see dreams fulfilled, God. The, The awesome result is this God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. May the God of peace be with you today. We pray all this in your awesome name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Can you clap?